It's the Skinny Podcast, only on Local12.com. Now, here's Richard Skinner. Welcome into the Skinny Podcast, the Bengals edition. I'm Richard Skinner, Local12.com, digital sports columnist and editor. Joined, as always, by Jed Demusi, Local12 anchor, reporter, and sports producer as the Bengals get set to take on the woeful Indianapolis Colts. But first, let's look back at the uh, the most recent Bengals game Sunday in, in Pittsburgh. And, and Jed, really, that's I'm not sure I've seen a more inept offensive second half in a long, long time. I mean, the only other inept game I can think of like this was a, a game in India of all places back in 2014 in the regular season where they got shut out. Uh, they did nothing in the second half of that game and nothing after it got to 14-14. Yeah, I think it was inept. I, th- I thought you were going to say, really, the Colts' playoff game a few years ago, but they were so... They were so decimated by injury. Right. I'm going to give them a break on that Right, so I would say that probably the most inept I've seen where, where a team is fully healthy. I mean, they were pretty inept against the Ravens this year, too. But I get your point. The, the, the team did not play very well. Uh, regardless of, of who you want to point the finger at, they, they couldn't get anything done. Um, Mixon wants more carries. A.J. Green wants the ball more. These seem to be common themes this year when this team loses. I, I think I saw Ken Zampezi, or I'm sorry, Ken Zampezi. Wow. Well, look at Ken Zampezi offense <laughs> in the right. second half. Bill Lazor said something to the effect of, regardless of whether or not we win or lose, there's, there's two or three, three guys, guys right, right, right. That, that are upset with with their touches, I guess the the screams are a little louder when you lose, especially when you lose to Pittsburgh, especially when I still want to know what happened at the end of that first half with Pittsburgh. That was implausible what happened when they ran that. They brought Bell out of the, the slot, motioned him back into the backfield, and they ran a play. And as they were running off the sidelines, Ben was yelling at Tomlin the special teams coach was yelling at Je- Je- uh, I think DeCastro had to separate Jesse James and the special teams coach. If you were a Bengals fan looking at that and saying, "Hey, you know what? We're within a score. Right. We've we've got them in a place where we could potentially we should be down two scores. We're not. We've got them into within a score, and they're running off the field at home, and they they looked like they had no idea what was going on, whether or not Tomlin was supposed to call a timeout or. Yeah, I, I, I truly think that they wanted the timeout quicker in order to run at least one more offensive play. And by the time they made the decision to call a timeout, it was the decision of either run another play or kick the field goal. You had no choice to do both of those things. Right. And I think everyone sort of brushed in on the rug and said, oh, Tomlin wanted to call a timeout but didn't. But how do you call that play? Regardless. Well, I, I don't mind the play call. I, what? I, no, I mean, I, if, with if twelve you, seconds left, yeah, you run the ball right up the middle because it, it was actually was it was more of a it was more of a, a sweep. But tried to get around. Okay, but if you if that play develops as quickly as you hope, you still have time to take a timeout with about seven seconds, Ooh. take one shot for the end zone with a with a fade, and still have two seconds left to kick a field. goal. What's wrong with taking two shots at the end? I just don't. I, understand. Think, I think they thought they could get the Bengals in yeah. a look and go with it. That's the only thing I can think of. Okay, so that being said. It was disheartening in the second half that they were not able to, to get really any – they didn't get any points. They didn't look good at all. They nine, had 19 yards in the last 37 – if you'd have run 19 quarterback sneaks, you might have gotten 21 yards. I mean, honestly. Yeah. 19 yards in the last 37 minutes of football. And as much as, as much credit as you want to give the Steeler defense, which played really well, we talked about how they, they keep – plugging guys into that to that team and they keep making plays that was again the case I do think there's a question of whether or not you need to 
listen to what some of these players are saying. It, it's not even a question. So let, let, let's jump into that. I, I'm glad you because I was going to segue into that at some point. Um, Joe Mixon shouldn't have said what he said, but what he said is is correct. He needs more touches. And you're going to see, hopefully, it looks like this week you'll see the other guy that they need to get some touches to, and that's John Ross, who um, is, is back to practice and is going to play. Look, man, you, you, you drafted John Ross in the first round, regardless of whether you think he's going to be injury-prone his whole career or whatever. You drafted him in the first round, Joe Mixon in the second round, for one big reason. You had no playmakers other than A.J. Green. You were looking for playmakers. You got arguably the best back back in the draft, and he's proven that at times that he's got a real good skill set. And you took John Ross because, again, you thought he was going to be a playmaker. You haven't seen that because he's because he's been hurt. Um, so what Joe Mixon said is right. He is their best back. He should get 25 touches a game. Look at Le'Veon Bell, and he used Le'Veon as an example. I mean, if you look at the numbers from a yards per carry, it wasn't much. But you keep giving it to him, and you keep giving it to him. And a one-yard run, then a seven-yard run. A check down becomes a 42-yard play all of a sudden. Joe Mixon has that same capability to do those things, and that's why he does need more touches. Well, Geo can't do that. Jeremy Hill can't do that. Geo can take something in space on occasion, like he did in Cleveland, and make a big play. Um, and and I, he's very serviceable on this team. Joe Mixon gives you the best of all of that. Yeah, I, I don't. The the Le'Veon Bell checkdown play just that that sent shivers up my spine because watching that on Sunday was inexcusable for that. Bengals no doubt. Defense. No it was question. inexcusable, but you're right. And, and the line that, that Joe Mixon walks is a very, very fine one because he is a rookie. But the problem is, is that if he sat back and said, oh, you know what, I, I guess seven carries is all, you know, my, my worth in the offense was, he would get accused of being, pat, you know, he doesn't care. Well, he doesn't care. Right. He's not interested. He just, he's here and he doesn't care. He's not putting forth. He, he should care more. And then he comes out and says, hey, I want the ball more. And it's, well, you're a rookie. Know your role. There's really no place for him to exist when he only touches the ball seven times. And I guess hey, look, my... I, I, I do agree the second half got away from them a little bit. I right. mean, it, it just, it, just the way the flow went. But you did have three running plays. Ooh, boy, that's a lot of running plays. You did have three running plays. Right. And he doesn't touch them on any of the three. The other two backs do. That, that to me, is inexcusable. My only question was from... Uh, you were there. I was not... That play in the second quarter where he caught it, got hit, fumbled, and then I, no, recovered his actually, own. Actually, that was in the third quarter. That was in the third. Yeah. Okay. You're right. You're right. That was in the third. Um, there was one of his was he, was he dinged up at all on that? No. I, I thought he got dinged up late in the first half, um, and, and maybe that, that was some of it, but nobody really said that, so I'm going to roll with the fact that they just decided not to use him to start the second half and finally put him in there, and... Um, I, I do think this. He's not showing up on concussion protocol or anything, but that play, when I watched it, even though I didn't remember when it was, that play to me looked like... (laughs) (laughs) That that play looked to me like he he got up, kind of was a little woozy or whatever, but I didn't know if that contributed to it at all. I didn't mean to interrupt. Yeah, no, no, no. I I think for for this coaching staff, I think when when, when they look back and Bill Lazor looks back, he'll go, well, how did I not get him touches? I think you will see him get way more touches this week because... He is one of your only two. And, and really, let's just say you get him some more touches this week. And it's going to be a hard litmus test because you are playing a really bad football team in the Colts. But it's a good place to start. You give him some touches and he makes some plays. You give Ross some touches and he makes some plays. You still have, obviously, A.J. if teams don't take him away. Suddenly now teams on film go, oh, there's a playmaker in the backfield. There's a playmaker on the other side. You can't do what Pittsburgh did to A.J. Green. You can't suddenly basically, when they did it after the first quarter, it was, 
he's not touching the ball. We're going to ensure that he doesn't touch the ball. And when you look at the other receivers, they can't win one-on-one battles. Not not often often enough. That's what you're hoping that Joe Mixon can maybe do in space. That's what you're hoping that eventually John Ross can do is those guys can be playmakers where unfortunately the rest of your wide receiving core, your receiving core, and your running backs aren't those guys. I think Brandon LaFell maybe had his best game. He did yeah, do was some four, nice... Yeah, four for 28. Yeah, but you're had, right, but he had a couple big catches. He had some nice catches, but if you're counting on that... But he's averaging 7.2 a catch. Yeah. Which tells right. you... Yeah, I mean... It's just it, he is what he is. Good for him. He can occasionally right. make a big third down reception, and that's great. And he caught the touchdown pass in traffic. Great. But, that, but what we saw on Sunday may be his ceiling. Correct. And that's not good Correct. enough. And that's not good enough. So, and as much as we have talked about this offensive line and how it continues to be a problem, they've got to figure out how to get people in space and yes. get them the ball. They have to figure out how to do something different. This is the, the hand that they've dealt themselves without bringing back the guys that we've talked to. We've talked about this for weeks right, and weeks right. and weeks. And we have to get on beyond that because the point of it right. is this is the hand you're right. Exactly. This is the hand you're dealt with. Make what you can. And and if it requires you to change blocking schemes, to have set up the way he pull more often, to use whatever level of athleticism he has, you have to do something different. You're right. And or with mixing in the game, maybe it's him and Geo in the game at the same time, and it's getting them – your running game becomes – Six-yard checkdowns or five-yard checkdowns that hopefully they turn from five yards into 11 or 15 or 20 or like Le'Veon Bell did, 42-yard big plays out of that. But you have to do something different, no doubt about it. And if you if you can go to Pittsburgh, we, we have seen this year when Pittsburgh, everyone you know wrote their obituary this right. year. But the, the, the one factor in, in, in beating Pittsburgh for a lot of these teams is you get on them early. And they... The Bengals did score early, but they were not. But they able were. To ma- get but they ahead. were. They were matching scores. They yeah. were matching scores. If you can get ahead of them and you can create a snowball effect where you have Ben throwing thirty times, forty times, that's the situation you want to put the Steelers in. If you can't get them in that situation and they're at home, they're going to pin their ears back. If they're doing it to you, that's a problem. And I'll give them this: they won the toss, and every it seems like every team in the NFL when they win the toss, what do they normally do? Normally defer. They normally defer. Pittsburgh said, nope, we want the ball. They wanted their offense on the attack from the get-go, and it gave them a chance to get up in that game, like you said. If they get up, if they get Le'Veon Bell, if they give Le'Veon Bell the ball, that's how they win games. That's how this Steeler team wins games, and that was really exactly what they did. Bell got the ball. You kept Ben's throws limited because the more he throws nowadays, the the I think it's the worse four, I think it's forty nine times in the last two weeks combined, and I think that's where they want to be with him. To be honest with you, and yeah. that's why when you look at Le'Veon Bell, you look at the, the the yards per carry. It wasn't much, but it was the fact that they have a lead and they're just going to keep force feeding him the football. And I I would venture a guess that Ben probably threw close to forty nine times in the Jacksonville game that they got smoked. Pretty close, in. yeah. So that's that's how this offense works, and when they. That's the thing about the Steelers that they do better than maybe, or th- that's something that the Steelers do that elite teams in the NFL do. They acknowledge what they've got, they make adjustments, and they move forward, and they execute a different plan than maybe you've seen them execute in the past, but they are able to make adjustments with the roster that they have, and it's something that, that the Bengals have not been able to do with any success. They beat Buffalo, they beat Cleveland, but they haven't been able to sort of Get that magic potion with this team. That exists. They just can't tap into it. No, and and again, it does start up front to some degree, but you have got to make do with what you've got for right now. Steelers have had bad offensive lines. Steelers Steelers on Sunday started three guys that were undrafted. Think about that for a minute. Three guys that were undrafted on that offensive line. Okay? 
So it, the Bengals spent picks. You have a fourth-round center you traded up for, a first-round left tackle, uh, a second-round right tackle. Trey Hopkins was undrafted, starting at one guard, and Clint Bowling was, uh, I'm doing this off the top, I had a fourth-round pick, I believe, somewhere in that vein. So you, in theory, have more guys up front, and they seem to be able to do more with less than what you're doing with what, with what you got. And people can argue, well, you misevaluated Boye and Fisher. No, you didn't. They had, Cedric Boye, he had a first-round grade, okay? He would have been a higher first-round draft pick if he hadn't had the knee issue, okay? Jake Fisher had, in some places, a late first-round grade, but definitely a second-round grade. You took them where they deserved to be taken. Look, the evaluation process for offensive linemen anymore is really hard, and maybe you did misevaluate them. Maybe you, you, uh, you, you, you took a reach that you shouldn't have taken. But it makes you start to wonder, is this a coaching thing? Is this, is this, does Paul Alexander need to figure out what are their strengths and how do I play to their strengths as opposed to here are my techniques and this is the way I'm going to do it? Somebody certainly needs to. Somebody needs to figure out. That, and it's, it's hard because... You're around the team a lot. I cover the team. We look at the, I look at this team, and I'm sure you do too, and say this isn't a two and four team. This is not. That's what the record is. Bill Parcells, you are what your record says you are. This team is but better you, than that. But you know what? I think defensively they are. But I go back to just watching Sunday, watching the one play that Andy Dalton took some real, some some understood criticism. The ball where he threw the ball out of bounds, right? Stupid on play down. on fourth down. You can't do that. You got to you got to force someone to somewhere. I watched the play unfold, and I see A.J. Green parked on the sideline, and, he, and honestly, that's probably where he should have thrown, though he ended up throwing it over his head. But he's parked on the sideline hoping Andy finds it. I'm watching the other receivers. They can't get open. They, 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 they're, they're, they're blanketed, and that's where it looks. You know, I, I, that, I guess it should have smacked me before. That's where it smacked me. I went, this whole day, none of these guys can, can win one-on-one battles. It's been the whole, since that first quarter when they, A.J. was 3 for 42, after that he had three targets, no catches, they they completely took him away, and when they did, where did that offense go from there? It went south for the game, right? Right. And that, that's where I go back to what Joe Mixon said after the game is absolutely right. He is a legitimate weapon. Utilize him as such. you got to hope John Ross is a legitimate weapon, and if so, utilize him as such. I'm not here to tell you he needs to get 85% of the snaps on Sunday, nor will he, but he needs to play, and they, you need to find a way to get him some touches in that game, and hopefully he makes a play or two for you. Here's the, here's the elephant in the room. Do you think if let's let's just let's let's put it this way, and I'm not talking about offensive scheme, but I'm I'm saying if Sean McVay was in was in Cincinnati right now, okay, and and you had a guy like Josh Malone, you had a guy like Cody Core. Now I know Core's hurt or whatever. Cody Core's not very good. Okay, but would you take a risk? Would you be more comfortable taking a risk, giving some younger guys a chance when you've seen? Basically, all you can see out of Brandon LaFell. Now, the you know, the, the, I guess Malone would be the bird in the bush as opposed to the right. bird in the hand right. with LaFell. But do you think because Marvin... Well, I think you're going to see it with Ross. I, I do think that. I think that, that if he's healthy and healthy enough, you will start to see him be the other guy. Okay, so let's let's just say... Let's just break and, it. And let's face it. And, and, and no, Tyler Boyd, if he hadn't had his... All, it, Tyler Boyd came into camp and was not very good in camp, was not very good in preseason... Um, was not very good early. I mean, guy was inactive the second game of, of the season, for goodness sakes. A healthy scratch in game number two. A guy who caught 54 passes. If you get his head screwed back on straight, okay, then you've, now you do have a weapon in the slot with him. You do have John Ross on the outside. You do have A.J. Green on the other side. Now you have you develop Joe Mixon. You have those weapons, and that, that's what you've got to hope for moving forward. And maybe Josh Malone becomes one, too. Okay. I just don't know if, if you think that the Bengals would be taking more chances 
if this coaching staff was different? No, I, I, I don't. I, I, I mean, I think they're playing the guys they feel are the best guys. I, I really believe that. The problem is they're just they're not great guys, at least offensively they're not. That's the only problem. Defensively, I think they're fine. Um, you know, they gave up a couple big big drives they on Sunday. They missed a lot of tackles. And they missed a ton of tackles. And I, I look, that happens in games. We talked should. about that. They, they, maybe they, they, they need to listen to the podcast because we both <laughs> said you've got to be gap sound. Yeah. And, man, they missed so many Well, they tackles. missed a lot in space. That was the yeah. weird part. I mean, there was a I mean, the Le'Veon Bell check down, Vinny Ray has him six yards across the line of scrimmage and just whiffed. And he's a pretty good tackler. He just flat whiffed. Then came the stiff arm, and off he went to the races. Uh, it, and it was that way the whole day. Three-yard runs became six-yard runs. One-yard runs became four-yard runs. And you just you can't allow that stuff to happen. I don't think I've ever seen a more perfectly executed stiff arm in my life. Oh, He bounced off the – I mean, he popped right back up. He did. He was like, shove him down, he boinged right back up. I, I just – I don't think I've ever seen that before yeah. with such force that a guy is basically – I mean, he his body touched the ground for like two milliseconds right. before he was back. I mean, that <laughs> stiff arm, you know, was, was haunting. No doubt. Really. I do want to touch on one other thing from that game, then we'll move forward to Indy. There's not a lot to decipher about Indy, but we do need to get into <laughs> it a little bit. Um, a little disappointed Geno Atkins didn't really show up. Oh. Some of that he was double teamed, and that's why Pat Sims had the eight tackles. He's the leading tackler. Yeah, Pat Sims was the leading tackler. Um, and what? some of that is because of that, because he got single blocked. Yeah. Um, and Vontez Burfecht didn't show up, other than to kick a guy in the face. Um, and that, that surprised me, because I really thought... And I mentioned, I think, on the podcast last week, I, I thought he was primed for a big game. He was coming off a really good game against Buffalo. It hit the ground running, being back in shape after the three-game suspension. And he, honestly, he had four tackles, and I couldn't tell you when those four tackles came, to be quite honest with you. Two solos, two assists, so really two D- tackles. Disappointing, I think, I think across the board. Um, the tackling was disappointing. Gino, Gino Atkins, or I'm sorry, Pat Sims leading the team in tackles is... I mean that that really should boggle Bengals fans' minds. Yes, that that he led the team in tackles. It, it, just, it just I don't. I'm not going to question the effort. I'm not going to question um, whether or not they they were ready for the game or not. But man, it 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 was a disappointing effort on on the defensive side of the ball. That being said, in the second half. The, the Steelers were begging the Bengals' offense to get back into the game. I, begging they, them. When they went for it on fourth down and didn't make it, I thought, okay, they're, you, they're giving you some good field position and a little life. And instead, it, it went nowhere. I mean, the, 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 the Bengals did nothing in the entire second half. But until about, I don't know, five minutes to go in the fourth quarter, the game, you know, the game was over. It just they, they had every opportunity to get back into that game. So the defense, I guess, should be given credit for that in the sense that they kept, they, battling. they kept them in that game. The offense just just was so toothless and could not get anything going, whether it was their execution or the play calls or a combination of both. Well, and it's been a theme. I mean, they've scored 72 first-half points, 26 second-half points. Something is going awry in the second half of football games. They've scored two touchdowns in six second halves this year. Not good. Not good at all. And one of those touchdowns, I think, was against Cleveland, so that doesn't even count. Right. So there we go. Um, I do want to touch on one other thing about, about the Bengals' defense. It's been, it's been I've got a question yes. uh, for you. Is, go ahead. You, no, no. you go, but I do have a question. Okay. Um, this defense has played very well for the most part. Um, and, 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 I mean, it kept them in the Houston game. It, it, it kept them for a chunk in Sunday's game. Um, really, the defense didn't cost them in the Baltimore game. The five turnovers by Andy Dalton cost them in that game. And, the fact, the offense didn't score a single point. But this defense can help the offense. And you know how it can help the offense? 
It can help it by doing something that hasn't done much. No turnovers. No turnovers. Four interceptions, one of those being the pick six against Aaron Rodgers. And they are now 17 games in a row. Seven to full season's worth plus one of not recovering a fumble. And in those 17 games, they've only forced eight. So it's not like you're going, wow, we've had 33 forced fumbles and not one of them's bounced. You've only forced eight. That's one every other game. Um, and I know talking to Paul Gunther and talking to a couple of players, um, you know, they, they, I know they work on it. They work on stripping a lot. Um, you can't just all of a sudden go, hey, here comes a guy. Let me try to strip it. You need to make the tackle first. But, but you could help this offense, too, by creating some turnovers and giving them some short fields because this offense needs some help like that. And it's, it's something that good defenses do. Right. It's something that good defenses You cannot – Marvin, Marvin used to say, oh, we don't look at sacks. We don't look at sacks because we're getting enough pressure on the quarterback. It doesn't. Sacks are a stat that everyone looks at. We don't necessarily look at that. Every coach in the league, every coach from middle middle school up, junior high up, looks at turnovers. No doubt. And the Bengals aren't doing it. The Bengals aren't creating it. So as well as they have played defensively, this is a really this is a really gaping part of this defense that that is going unfulfilled. And and the the Bengals. Turnover margin right now is what minus nine. Minus nine. They've not won the turnover margin in any game. They've they've been tied in turnover margin in a couple, like one to one or whatever. But they've gone now all six games they played. They are they have not won the turnover battle, and and um, that, that's a big. That's, I think it's a big deal. I think it's a big deal too. And again, this week is not going to do much. I mean, you may get closer to zero with the turnover margin, but but they need to do it against a team that's good. Yes, correct. They need to they need to go out and get turnovers. From a team that's good because every other team figures out a way to do that. And you look at you looked at Buffalo before they came in and said, Oh, well, you know, they had a lot of tip balls and they got a lot of you know, they're a right place, right time. And, and well the Bengals need to fall backwards into a right place, right time at abso- some point. Abso- absolutely. I, now you are playing a team this week. Jacoby Brissett, the quarterback, has not thrown interceptions very much. He's taken more sacks uh thrown through, but they have fumbled fifteen times. They've only lost four of them. So, I mean, this is one of those weeks you look and you go, You gotta have one this week, right? You would think, right? You would think. You would think. You know, it's it's like, do you? Are they thinking about it so much that it's becoming, a, a, you know, that you tell you not to think? No, about I, no. I, they, I, talking to Paul Gunther and talking to a couple of the defensive players, it's something they they know, um, and, and I think they're cognizant of. And I don't think it was frustrating to be asked that question because I think it's something that they realize. Hey, we got to find out a way to get some of these. But but and, you know, and Gunther's right. You just can't go, let's just go strip a guy. I mean, you've got to make the tackle first, but then you have to have somebody else that hopefully comes along when the tackle's being made. All right, I'm the second, third guy in. I'm the stripper. And they. Just, I, I'm, I'm thinking of games off the top of my head. I can't remember how many times the second or third guys come in and try to do something like that. Well, that's because the first guys missed the tackle. Well, there's that too. So the second guy has had to make the it tackle. It was only in the Pittsburgh game. No, well, okay. I'm just saying, you know, if, if, if tackling was a little better in that's the Pittsburgh good. No, that's game, a good you may point. have, you may have right. an opportunity. That's you can't gang tackle if – Everyone's missing tackles. That's a good it's hard point. I mean, to do. They've only forced three fumbles this year, so it's not like they've had multiple opportunities that have gotten away from them with a bad bounce. Three fumbles is all they forced in the four interceptions, so it's not a good number for all sure. All right, I wanted I wanted yes. to have give you a chance to address something that that came up. Uh, I think it was some someone in the Post Gazette or some Pittsburgh paper it was. It was wrote Pittsburgh Post Gazette about the locker room after the game and how. His, I'm glad you brought it up because I wanted to bring it up. His opinion was. There was laughing that the players didn't care. Your thoughts on that? Um, I told those that I covered the team with as we were walking back to our car that I thought the locker room felt odd. I thought it was a little too loose. Now, 
the sweeping generality that he made that you assume is everyone was doing that, right? It's two guys. It was Vontez Perfect, and it was and, and he cracked the joke that Jeremy Hill laughed out loud at, whatever it was. And I, I, I there was some kind of inside joke between the two, whatever it was, and they were laughing um, pretty loudly. But the handful of players I talked to, George Iloka, AJ Green, Michael Johnson, trying to do some of these off the top of my head, um, William Jackson the third. Um, William was a little little more loose because I think he I, he's going through this stuff the first time and I think for him right now some of it's personal battles I think he really was impressed with how he played impressed with himself again with Antonio Brown but he also uh, so he was his answer was a little loose right but AJ Green pissed George Iloka pissed Michael Johnson pissed so I I, I I know that people saw that column and was wondering why Cincinnati media didn't address it and I think, honestly, when I saw the one guy laugh and the other guy laughing, did it strike me as odd? It struck me as odd. But I don't think it meant that they didn't care nor that that it was a loose locker room, that it was a, a locker room that took that game for granted and that Marvin Lewis had lost the team. And trust me, I have no love lost for Marvin because I think there's a lot of things that he doesn't do well as a coach. But I just can't imagine you go into a locker room for the first time and you can address it just because you see two guys laughing. That's the only thing for me. I didn't think it was fair. You know, to be honest, I haven't heard anyone. I, I've seen on Twitter what other people in the Cincinnati media have said, where they have said they didn't hear any of uh, it. Well, I, and, and I will preface this with this. I, I, I usually am finishing a story right as the game ends, and I don't get a chance to go to Marvin Lewis's press conference. Um, it's always on a transcript anyway, so I just, unless something – I'll ask somebody to ask a specific question for me, but I trust my colleagues that they're going to ask what needs to be asked. So I usually go in the locker room first. They were not in there. It was me and some Pittsburgh writers, and I don't think there was anyone else from the Cincinnati media in there at okay. the point in time. There was maybe a couple TV cameras, maybe. I, I really wasn't paying much attention. Right. So I don't think some of those people that responded to that saw that. So that's how quickly whatever laughter took place ended. It was a joke. Somebody cracked a joke that somebody laughed at. Look. I, they weren't this, playing music. This, there this, wasn't yeah, a this dance isn't, party. This yeah. isn't... You know, high school where every game is win, lose, or death, and you the coach is going to come in. You better have your head down, and you better be crying like it's all the right moves. And um, you know, uh, Sal Mucci fumbled the football, and everybody's pounding his head against the wall, crying. That's it's, it's, these guys are professional, man. They, they 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 prepare during the week. They play the game. When the game's over, they're not going to react like you, the Joe. You want look the fan. I get it. You're you're as good as you're, you're sometimes more invested emotionally in this. Than players are, they're invested in preparing, playing, doing the best you can, and when win, lo- win or lose, you're still getting a paycheck. And that's a terrible way to say it, and I don't mean right. it to be that flippant, but that's just that's the that's the honest to God's truth. Do they want to win? Sure, they do. Um, the more you win, the chances are the, the the better your team is. You get a chance to make some more money, earn more money, all those things. But this is what they do for a living, right? Um, and, and and you have to separate some of the emotion of that. I know you want it to all be rah rah and 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 you know, feeling awful after a loss. And I, look, I, there are guys that are genuinely pissed. They don't like losing. There are other guys that handle things differently. And, you know, for a joke to be cracked and someone to laugh at it, um, again, it, as I mentioned, it felt odd, but it wasn't like it was a constant yuck, yuck fest, for lack of a better term. Right, and, the, and the, the, same, the same way that a player can react differently after a game is the same, in, in some respects, it's the same way a team like the Bengals can walk away from Andrew Whitworth. It's you play, you, you practice, like just right. what you said. Right. There's, there's really not a lot of emotion attached. There's not. 
to retaining players that you think are, are legendary Correct. Bengals Hall of Famers and reacting to a loss. It's, Does it's, it mean you always make the right decision? I mean, in right. the Andrew Whitworth case, it's looking more and more like you made a very wrong decision. Right. But, but just using that as an example, no, fans are very much... Fans are more emotionally invested. I, when I, when in the I was, NFL when I was, a, when I was a fan, I was completely emotional. I mean, I can remember as a kid crying when the Bengals lost games. Uh, hell, I, I was even into high school. I cried when they lost a playoff game. I, you know, I reacted when they lost the Super Bowl. I was down in the dumps, and I was in co- freshman in college. It's half loaded, mind you, but I was really, <laughs> I was really distraught that they lost that game. But you know, once you get into what. What I end up doing for a living and covering this stuff and being around it, there's no more emotion tied to it. There just isn't. It just you see it in a different vein. So I'm not blaming fans if they think, no. "Well, that sucks that they're they're laughing." I, I get I get where you're coming from, but they just players aren't wired that way. And and look, if I walk into a Steelers locker room after the Jacksonville game, were they all sulking? I don't know. But if I, if I see a guy cracking a joke, does that make me assume that the Steelers don't care anymore? No, of course they yeah. care. It's just a couple of guys cracking a joke doesn't mean it's right. But it also doesn't mean that everybody was in there yucking it up, going, oh, yeah, just another game. We just Steelers. We lost. Oh, what, a, what a funny time. No, it wasn't and, like that at all. And this, I'll, I'll say this. The Steelers and the Steelers organization and the people who cover the Steelers. It's a Steeler way, they man. They love to pretend that they are the house, the shining no beacon, the shining house on the hill. There, and they do it the right way. And everybody else doesn't. Everybody's mad after the game when they lose. The whole city goes into mourning. And if you don't behave the way they behave, the way they've always behaved, then you're wrong. So coming into a Bengals locker room and seeing somebody laugh is such an affront to the way football should be right. revered in the black and gold Steeler way. Was, was it after, and I'm trying to think if I remember this right, was it after a loss where Antonio Brown was on the field taking selfies, or was that after a win? <laughs> I think it was after a loss. I think he was on there taking selfies on the field after a loss. Okay, I, it doesn't seem the best thing to do and the best decision to make, but, okay, it, Steelers do it too. That's all I can tell right. you. There all you right. go. I'll touch really quickly on this, this Colts team. It is not a very good team whatsoever. They have two wins. Both by three points, one of those in overtime, against two teams that have yet to win a single game, the Cleveland Browns and the San Francisco 49ers. Jacoby Brissett has actually done fairly well at the quarterback position, but this is a team, they don't run it very well. Frank Gore's averaging 3.4 per carry. Um, Brissett is not a great passer. Frank Um, Gore is still their feature back. Frank Gore, that's the other part. Frank Gore is still their feature back. Um, T.Y. Hilton is still a weapon, but that offensive line gave up 10 sacks last week. And it is just not very good. And this is not a good football team. And defensively, they might even be worse. Well, Ryan Kelly, the the Lakota West product of Alabama grad, who I think was a first-round pick for them a couple years ago, he missed the beginning of the season, came back for a few games, left the game against Jacksonville. I think uh, the Ohio State product, Jack Muhort, has been out. So Cooker's now out. Well, I'm speaking just on the offensive line. If you want to get to defense, I mean, this team has been ravaged, ravaged by injuries. And this is like two or three years' worth of this going on for them, which yeah. is odd. I mean, I can't speak to why that happens unless it's just bad, dumb luck right now. But they've had some real injury issues. And it starts, not, not to mention the guy who should be under center or at least in the shotgun right now for them, Andrew Luck. Yeah, this is a team on paper, <clears throat> excuse me, um, that that was probably a 9-7 and seven team potentially. Right. The injuries that they've suffered, Andrew Luck, obviously there was talk that he was going to be ready for the start of the season, and then that, that they have walked that back significantly, and he has yet to play. And if you're a Colts fan or if you're 
just an observer of the NFL. Why would he play this season? Yeah, I don't get that either. I, I, I heard a radio interview yet, uh, on Wednesday. We're doing this on Thursday. Uh, in which it's the belief that, that they keep throwing it out there just so fans continue to have some level of belief that he'll come back this year and maybe save the day. It's it, If I'm it, a fan, I don't want him playing. I don't either. I'm with you. I, I fully agree with you. Um, but they keep seemingly throwing it out there that, yeah, when he's healthy, he's going to come back. And that's the other part is, is who knows, maybe he doesn't get healthy this year, and that's why he won't come back. Yeah, I, I just don't know why he would why he would come back, why they would they would – be interested in him coming back. This is a team that that can make a run for a top. Right now, they're probably picking third in, in, the, in right. the NFL draft, and they won't be looking for a quarterback, so they can address right. some other need or trade down and get, get some more yeah. out of it. Yeah, Chuck Pagano potentially. You you get a new coach. You you have you have a healthy quarterback. You get some influx of talent. And you can kind of uh, and get some of these the and get some of these guys that are hurt back for for, a, yeah. for another. Yeah, Malik Cooker led the team in interceptions. Yep. He was. A, you know, he was kind of figuring out his his way in the NFL. It's unfortunate that that he's out for the year. John Simon, another Ohio State guy, yeah. out. He he's been in and out. They don't have a lot of depth. Roberto no. Sanchez, the punter, though. <laughs> if you're going punter on me, four kicks inside the twenty against Jacksonville, average forty five yards a punt. They got something in that Rigoberto. Hey, that's wonderful, and they lost twenty seven nothing. Twenty seven goose. Um, it, it, and you mentioned the depth. This is a team that's been outscored. I talked about the Bengals. They've been outscored just forty five to twenty six. The twenty six is a bad number. Forty five, obviously, is 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 not a bad number. <laughs> this is almost staggering. Uh, Indy has been outscored in the second half of games, 130-41. to 41. That's just getting housed in the second half of games. I mean, they've been around. I mean, first half of games, 89-75. to 75. They've been in a lot of games, but that second half, they're just getting their ass kicked. Well, 89-75, to 75, that includes 28 that they scored against the Browns. That's true. So take, take, that, out, yeah, that's take true. that out of the equation. I mean, you know, the Browns, this is how bad the Browns are. They made the Colts look really good. This is a cold team. We talked about it at the time. They scored. They scored touchdowns on four straight possessions against the Browns. That's how bad the Browns are. Yeah, good point. So when you you know when, if you're a Colts fan and you think you've hit rock bottom, you need to keep digging to get to Cleveland. But no, this team this team is struggling, and a lot of people are saying, "Oh, this team has quit on Pagano." I don't think the peop- the the players that are on the field are healthy enough to even think about quitting. No, not I mean, very good. I mean, let's go back. They 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 beat San Francisco in overtime, so they kept plugging there. The Tennessee game just it, it really just got they were leading fairly late enough, um, and it got away from them. And then last week it was a snowball. I mean, they gave up ten sacks. I don't think that's quitting. That's just a matter of you're just simply not good enough to to get the job done. Bengals are ten and a half point favorites. That's a huge number for a. Bengals team that's two and four, and a Bengals team that um, is averaging on the season just fourteen points a game, and they're giving ten and a half. Is that too many, or or not? And what's your final score prediction? I don't think it's too many. This strikes me as a as a game that the Bengals have played in the past, where they come out, they score on the first possession, they maybe punt on the second, score. They end up they end up going up seventeen nothing, maybe midway through the second, and then just put it on ice, just kind of. Coast through the rest of the well, I got game. a score in mind. I think you're going to come close to my score. But uh, go ahead. I'm going to say I'm going to say like 24 to. I'm going to say 20 24 to like 10. It's funny. Mine was 27 to 10. So we're on the same path. I think almost the exact same way goes. I do think you see a lot of Joe Mixon. I think you get 20 plus touches for Joe Mixon, um, and I think you'll see see some John Ross. And, and if you're a Bengals fan, you got to hope you see something good. So that gives you a little hope. For the uh, for the final nine games. All right. Lastly, 
just so bad. <laughs> just I'm over. If you're gambling along no. with us on our three team teaser, no. I feel sorry for you because I'm over. You you've at least won one. Yeah, and so I your bank your bankroll at least has a little more in it than mine does. And you you went uh, over don't, three. Don't patronize me. You took Indy yes. last week after we just kind of went over. Right, and they they scored zero, so they yeah. didn't they didn't have the, enough. Uh, the Niners chariot turned into a pumpkin, as uh, the plus thirteen wasn't nearly nope, enough. No, not nearly enough. Now I took the Jets in Tennessee, and the Bengals were down twelve the majority of that. I know you half. you were right around so it, so that would have been a winner. Right, but it does you don't get paid off for would have been, should have been, could have been. I wish I would have been, but you were closer than I was. Okay, Let me it would have been a two two win with a with a push on the. Third. Here's what I'm going to do for this week. Okay. I'm going first for a change. You know there why? You just to change it up. Okay. Just change my dumb luck. All right, here's my three-team teaser of the week. I think we've alternated every week. But I know. But you're right. on, you're but on I'm, heater. But here I'm going go. first right here. All right. My three-teamer, we're using seven-point teasers. Right. All right, I start off with Minnesota down to two and a half against the Browns we go. In, in London. If Last, they can't beat them by a field goal, I quit. Last 28 games, Hugh Jackson is coach with the Raiders and the Browns. Last One, 28. Two wins? 2-0 two and oh on Christmas Eve. 0-26 the rest That's of the That's funny. Week. That's funny. That's a good so one. So unless Mrs. Claus is darning socks. I'm good. You're what you tell me? I'm good. I've got a chance. Good. All right, I'm going to take New Orleans playing the Bears at home. I'm going to tease them down to laying two points. They're starting to become a team I'm getting intrigued by. And look, I know Green Bay didn't have Aaron Rodgers and all that stuff, um, but Breeze was intercepted a couple times, and they kind of overcame that. They're starting to become a team that I, I don't know if I believe in fully because of that defense, but it feels like they're getting there. This is kind of like a, the cartoon where the house falls down around the guy, and then he gets up and he realizes, "Oh, I'm okay." They struggled out of the gate, but right. so is the rest of the NFC South. Correct. They're four and two in a great spot. Yeah, they're thinking, "Oh, okay, we're in good shape." Right. Yeah. I like I, that. My, my other one is I'm going to take Seattle um, at home, twelfth man uh, against the Texans. Deshaun Watson's been good. He was good in New England, Ooh, but I'm I, I'm good, good with Seattle at home uh, against a rookie quarterback. You know, Seahawks, for all their troubles, are 4-2 and two and, and being at home. They're laying 5.5, so I tease them up to getting a point and a half. Okay. So, again, Minnesota minus 2.5, New Orleans minus 2, and Seattle plus 1.5 is my three-team winning teaser of the week. Texans coming off a bye, but that's a tough place for a yeah, Bengals are coming win. off a bye, too, so <laughs> go ahead. I'm doing Minnesota as well. I'm jumping all over that. Minus 2.5. Uh, Cleveland's terrible. That game's in London, uh, but Minnesota will get that done. Last game for you, Jackson? With a bad L. They take a bad L. Last game for him? I just don't understand. You know, I heard somebody this week say, Hugh Jackson may be the North Turner of this generation, a better coordinator than he is a head coach. If I was, if I was North Turner, I would have broken. I would have well, driven off the road. He at least has had some success as a head coach. Hugh has had no well, success. Well, no, Hugh, Hugh had success until he traded for Carson Palmer in Oakland. Or Los Angeles, wherever the hell they were. He's at. two and twenty-six in his last twenty-eight games. But, you, but North eight, Turner never had that record. But he was he was seven and three in his first ten, I believe. Okay. Know. I'm just saying. Look, I'm, you could bring Vince Lombardi from the grave, and he ain't <laughs> winning games with that team up in Cleveland. Yeah, I. It's unfortunate because I think maybe Hugh is better suited as a as a. And he may be, and, and, and there, there might be a, a grain of truth to that. Okay. Um, I'm going to take, okay, Minnesota minus two and a half against Cleveland. I'm going to take Carolina plus nine on the road against Tampa Bay. Wow. I don't think that I can't they... trust Carolina either way. They're either, they either kick your ass or they just look awful. And like this past weekend, they looked awful. Well, they, they looked awful, and I think they bounced back. I think it's a division game. I think Cam Newton is fed up. I'm, I'm hoping that some of the negative energy that has surrounded this team will will 
sort of galvanize them. I think nine's a lot. I think Tampa Bay, I don't think they're good enough to beat anybody. They may not be. Digits. You might be right. Um, and then I like Washington at home getting nine against Dallas. That one, to me, is kind of maybe Offensive the, line issues. They do. They have some offensive line issues. I don't think... I think Dallas goes... Dallas doesn't have a good win. No, but I, I, I like they the way... I, I like the way they took care of San Francisco, though. Yeah, but they haven't... And they were coming out of the bye, right? Yeah, they were coming off the bye. They haven't beat a competent team. No, you're right. They haven't They haven't beat a competent team. They're, that's why they're 3-3. Three and three. They're 3-3. Three and three. They haven't beat a team that's, that's really any good. They beat the Giants, they beat the Niners, and they beat... Somebody else who's not very good. Yeah, I'm drawing a blank now, too. I can't remember. But they uh, until they can prove that they can go on the road and, and, and play against a, a, a Washington team who I think is, is at least halfway decent despite their issues, I'm going to take Washington at home getting nine. All right, uh, lastly, Bengals Nation this coming week um, is going to be who? Bengals Nation this coming week is George Iloka. We had a great time. One of my favorites. I, I, He's I, awesome. I, I like George. He's awesome. You know, every single Bengals player that we've had this year has been fantastic, and I really can't remember the last time we've had a, a bad a bad Bengals player. We had a great turnout this past week for Jeremy Hill. You can watch that show coming up at 1130 on Saturday let me just night. Say, let me just tell you, J- Jeremy has very little worth left in this offense, but he still has handled himself like a pro for the most part, and he's, I, I like him too. So, for, yeah. what, for whatever that's worth. Um, You're, you, root, you root for the guy. Right, correct. You I certainly do. root for the guy, and you know, hopefully he can, have a, he can catch on with somebody this year. Or maybe there, you never know how things develop. Maybe he does. Maybe a role becomes more defined for him here, but he's he's a class act, as as my experience is, and yep. I think you're saying the same thing. So that will be on at 11:30 again Wednesday nights at uh, Moreline Lager House. We have George Iloka, and then the following week we have AJ Green. Nice. So be sure to come down. And no Luke Fickle show this week. You're off on Sunday morning. We have a Luke Fickle. Oh, you show. do, but, but you're not up early getting it we done. We have a bye week Luke Fickle show. Okay. So right. the my uh, bad then. The Luke Fickle Show rolls on as uh, the uh, the Bearcats enter their bye. Still have a chance to make a bowl game, potentially. Yeah, good luck with that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just win a couple games. Watch the show anyway, 10.30. Watch the show anyway. Star 64. Exactly. All right. Uh, we also got other podcasts for you. The Angry Quarterbacks, Tony Pike, the former UC football Bearcat. Uh, Tom Gamble, my radio partner, and I do the Angry Quarterbacks with high school, college, and NFL Bengals discussion. And our college basketball podcast is up and running. We just did one, uh, same day I'm doing this one, with Rick Boring and, and Chad Brendel. And starting next week, we'll be doing it a couple of times a week as we roll you through uh, through college basketball season. So make sure you listen to those on Local12.com, where we've got you covered on Local12 and Local12.com. For Jed and Musi, I'm Richard Skinner. Thanks for being with us on today's Skinny Podcast, the Bengals edition.